welcome to Season 3 of Love Unlimited with Helen podcast. In this season, we shall open up our borders and explore the vast richness, abundance, and uniqueness of life. We shall dig deep to learn more about relationships in their every single sense. Our guests for this season are equipped with loads of wisdom and knowledge that I'm also eager to delve into as I learn and grow. Hi, my name is Helen, Certified Master Life Coach and Certified Relationships Coach. Love, life and prosperity drive my curiosity and I love delving into all this with joy. What drives you? If you haven't connected with me yet, please make a point to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. Let's continue the talk after this podcast on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And my pen name is Guru Helen. You can also learn more about me and what I'm about on www.guruhelen.com. I look forward to connecting more with you. This podcast is sponsored by Popstar Seize Your Center Stage. It is available on Handbook and Kindle version. You can get yourself a copy on Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, or better still, you can find it on my website at www.guruhelen.com. Welcome to the show. Hello, listeners. And today, again, we have Tara Galliano. Welcome to Love Unlimited with Helen. And today we are getting racy. We are getting deep. We are getting into the things nobody likes talking about in public. So, first off, please send those kids to go buy their candy, if that's what you need for 30 minutes or so. Or send them to bed or give them that computer game that you always fight over and or move with your computer or your phone to the other room because today the vocabulary is strictly 18 and above because we're going to talk deep stuff, adult stuff. Today we are digging deep and we're going to learn from the best sex therapist I know that I have met. And she is so open and ready and willing today to take us through erotica. And she's going to teach us about how we will walk through, how we walk through lives and bodies changes, hormone changes from 20s to 40s or even later, and how we can learn to love our bodies and still show up for love and pleasure at the same time. Tara! Once again, welcome. Oh, thanks so much. (laughs) Such a joy to be here with you. You're so radiant and welcoming. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Tara, what's erotica, really? Yeah, what is erotica? Well, and I love that because it's different probably for you than it is for me, right? Because we each have our own desires and turn-ons. And that's what makes sex and sexuality so fun is that we don't know and we get to discover that. So what is erotica, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is personal, it is different. For me, it starts with my feet. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know people would have thought of something else up here. For me, it starts way down with my feet. 
I love it. <laughs> then you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a wonderful thing about bodies is that we all have different erogenous zones. Mm-hmm. And so those zones of our body that when touched can turn us on are different. Right. I mean, we have the genitals and we have the reproductive organs, right? You can't really touch the inside of the reproductive organs, but you can touch the external genitals, the vulva, and uh-huh. you can receive pleasure in those areas. But we all have erogenous zones that don't include or are not limited to the genitals. We have necks, we mm-hmm. have breasts, we have feet. Even the back of the knee can be a very soft spot. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what I always encourage my clients to do is to begin to explore. Because like I said, it's different for you than it is for me. And when we reference somebody else's chart, because we think that's how we get to our own gold. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not how it Oh, works. yeah. They go straight on the down. shaft. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's more steps in that path. <laughs> right on. Okay, so we would encourage those who are having issues. What advice would you tell them to be the first, first step towards learning erotica? Assuming these guys have been married or they're just like getting married. Yeah. And the lady and the man now want to give the other pleasure. What would be the first step you tell them? Yes. But I mean, I think it varies from age to age. So in the, Ah. yeah. uh Yeah. So in the twenties, usually when Mm -hmm. the hormones are revved up and people are hot and Mm -hmm. wanting more sexual connection, that is, you know, kind of a wonderland of pleasure and seems like most people in their twenties, although that's not always true. Some people in their twenties come to see me and often for the, for them in order to explore pleasure, what needs to happen is there needs to be a slowing down ah, mm-hmm. so they can begin to understand what is pleasure and where do they experience that in their body. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they need, first of all, to go to the school of learning, pleasure, not just yeah. sex and jumping in and out. Yes. I always yeah. feel like in 20s, people are like more like bunnies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True thing. Yes. Uh-huh. They're like bunnies running. If in Africa, in Africa, we have a free range chicken and cocks and chicken, they stay together. And I used to get annoyed when I was younger, when I see a cock chasing a hen for round and round and round and round. And I'm like, why don't you just top it? It's not, doesn't look like it's any fun. And I think people are saying it's fun and they're they cheering. And I'm like, no, it's not. Would you imagine if you were the hen? So, mm-hmm. so that game of chase and run is earlier in the 20s where it's all chasing, getting, jumping, done. Yes. How does that differ from the romantic life in the 30s and 40s? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it depends upon the relationship. Some people are still chasing after things in their 30s, 40s, 50s. It's not necessarily exclusive to the 20s. However, as we get older, for a lot of people, there is the choice of a domestic partnership. And in that, the hormones that maybe connected you previously may not be raging. And yeah. so there needs to be a different impetus for that connection. And oftentimes what people are wanting 
is intimacy. So they really want to be seen and they really want to see their beloved in different ways. And so things have, again, slowed down and there needs to be the impetus to actually do something. So sometimes there can be this chasm that's created between the two people because they're not connecting. And it's really important to set up a a game plan so you're connecting on a regular basis. Because what I see in my practice is if that's not employed, then people drift off and they go their separate ways and they don't find ways to connect meaningfully. They might go pay the bills or raise the kids or do whatever it is that they do in a life and they do it together, but it's kind of this parallel play and they're not engaging intimately with each other. And really that's what we so much want in our lives. So the chasm is actually as a result of life pressures and uh, stresses, children, jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard of something like I'm sexually bored. Is there such a thing? For some people, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How does that yeah, come because, up? Well, because some people, right? Well, all people, right? We're, we, we like to simplify things. Like if I know how to do something and I want to do it quicker, I'm just going to put it on automatic. I mean, that's how kind of like we're learning how to drive a car. We get all the skills. And then in the beginning, we're nervous and like it's a nerve wracking experience. And then we have many years of the experience and we can play the radio. We can have a conversation. We're not even looking at the road and we're thinking it's just driving. And that autopilot experience is similar to what happens, I would say, to some people in their sexual relationships. So this boredom is created because we need novelty, right? We need the spark of endorphins in our lives. And novelty is created through play, imagination, and creativity. Mm. And when those go to bed, we don't go to bed, right? (laughs) We don't connect sexually. (laughs) Right. Take us through how to bring novelty in these relationships. If someone is in their late 30s, early 40s, and they come to you and tell you, I'm bored. I don't feel like I even want to have sex anymore. Yeah. Where do you take them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I think I I always need to assess where they're willing to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes, there's... There could be trauma that prevents people from getting where they want to go sexually. And so that needs to be addressed. And then other times there's not a vocabulary or there are not words to begin to describe what turns them on and what their fantasies are. And so the other piece is shame, is that shame inhibits us from claiming all that we desire sexually and more. And we have to release that shame. So those are some prerequisites And they're really important ones to address. And if we've been in a long-term committed relationship, sometimes we imagine those elements aren't there. And yet, they still could be. There still could be trauma. There still could be the inability to speak about sex. And so really gauging where the couple is at, that those things may need to be put in place first. Mm -hmm. And then we can proceed to more pleasure. (laughs) And I'm curious, really curious. Once you've addressed that, what kind of pleasure ideas do you have? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's important to begin with what turns you on, right? So to Ah. begin to have those conversations about 
what turns you on and really listening. And again, this is where the, sh- the shame comes in of yeah. not shaming your partner for whatever they desire or where th- whatever they fantasize about. Because fantasies are great because they're just in our imagination. We don't necessarily have to embody everything that is said, but it's fun fodder for playfulness. And it's really okay to be able to listen and receive our lover when we trust them, when we feel safe with them, and when we love them. And so when all of those pieces are in play, then we can begin to have the conversation. And so identifying what turns you on Mm -hmm. and then beginning to share that with your partner is the first piece. Mm -hmm. And then beginning to ask them what turns them on. Because what I find is that a lot of people aren't even have this conversation. Yes, they never talk about it. They're like, it's a taboo. Do don't talk mm-hmm. about it. And mm-hmm. it's children and family, and that's it. I'm just a what do we call it? I'm like a, a cow that's just for milk. You just report <laughs> milk and that's it. You never have feelings. Nobody asks you how you feel, whether you enjoy it or not, what you'd like different. That is true. And I think all couples should have that question, albeit at whatever age. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I think what used to turn me on in the 20s is no longer the same thing that turns me on now. Okay, the yeah. guy is still the same, same, same guy, but yeah. not the same methods, not the yeah. same styles, not the same talk, not the same rush. Because yes. in the 20s, like I said, it's cock and hand, run, 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 hold. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now, in now, if it ever tried to chase after me like that, I think I'll take a, a wooden spoon. <laughs> like you dare do that <laughs> we'd have a start i would have another different discussion so yes when at every age i think we change our erotic our hormones i know they change and we do need to have that yes would you be able to teach us just a few steps towards guiding someone from that point where Maybe they are getting ready and they don't know how to start to get more romantic and they need to learn how to rediscover. Let's imagine a couple in their 40s. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And and I love what you just said, Helen, because it is this ever evolving experience that we have of being human, that yeah. we're not stagnant we're dynamic beings and that we're changing all the time. So to begin to understand that not only am I changing, but my partner's changing and that I can have these open, honest conversations with him to begin to discover or rediscover what's true for him today. And that's the wonderful thing. When we begin to categorize or create a habitual pattern of how we come to our partner sexually, Mm -hmm. it gets very boring And it may not be addressing who they are today. Mm -hmm. And so to meet them fresh in the moment is really a wonderful opportunity. And that is something that I would recommend for everyone, regardless of whether you've been together a year or two years or five or 10 or 25, is to really come to the experience with beginner's mind. Mm, Every time, start afresh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Don't say we did this last year, the other year. What changed? Mm-hmm. You're changing. I know you've had this statement, Tara. Couples telling each other you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's the mystery of life. It's like, you've changed, right? How great. It's and you, you someone will go like, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, I think you should. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh gosh, let me go to another joke before you take us through a moment. Um, mm-hmm. There was a joke once, there was this small clip called, I think it was Handicap. Handicap was a small cartoon that used to come into our newspapers when we were a bit young. And Handicap was a typical British boy or a man who was married, but he spent his time in the pub. But he had these very good one-liners for every question he's asked. So he was coming from pub very drunk, and he asked the wife, rather the neighbor, right over the fence, asked him, hi, Andy, how are you? Oh, it's good you've been married for your life, or to your wife for very long. He says, yeah. So what have you learned? He said, the longer I stay, the deeper it gets. <laughs> I was like, mm, at that point, I never got it until I got married. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that was a censored comedy. And writing that was bad. <laughs> It was there. Nobody got it. I never did either. So for me, I thought it was the longer he stays with the marriage, the deeper the love got, but it has a double meaning. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the joke right there. So you got it. Anyhow, take us through that couple. Once they ask each other and show up afresh and ask questions, should questions be an integral part of a romantic session? I think that is a great question, Helen. And I encourage people to be verbal. I'm a verbal person. I like to hear words. And the reality is, is not everybody's verbal, right? Yeah. So we need to go with what is true and push the edge. If it's really important for my lover to talk to me, then even if he prefers to be quiet, he's going to have to say something. And so he, he needs to push his edge. Right? Otherwise we're not moving. I mean, really, or else we're just not going anywhere. And so to begin to identify again, what turns me on. So is it auditory? Is it tactile? What is it? Is it something that smells? You know, is it the scent that turns me on? Because we get to look at the senses and how do things taste? And what do they sound like? Because those are sensual invitations to bring us into an erotic space. And eroticism really is a space that we're cultivating with our beloved or whomever we're with in the moment, really. And that is the opportunity. And what I find with couples who are in a longstanding committed relationship is that oftentimes they struggle with the exploration because they don't know, right? If they knew something different, then they would have already done it, but they're just doing what they always do. And so when they ask, what's your fantasy? It's like, well, I don't know. And that could be true. Or either that or they're, fa- they're afraid to share it. And what I find is that it's good to begin to explore together. Maybe it is looking at erotica. You know, not everything is necessarily pornography. Yeah, um, a lot but- of erotica without pornography. Correct. Uh-huh. Examples. People may not know that. What kind of erotica would they look at? Well, I mean, I think I, I'm not going to say any particular movies at this point because I think it really does vary. I, I like more romantic movies that speak to the heart and aren't necessarily sexually explicit. Um, but it's really a preference. 
And some people like to look at, um, I, I know FetLife is a really popular website. Ah. And, and so it really is about what turns you on. If you have a desire for it, it is out there. Um, and that is the wonderful thing. And so visual cues can be important for us as we learn different things. So if we're in a stuck place in our relationship and we want to expand and explore more, then the opportunity is to begin to explore visual cues with your partner, whether it is through a romantic movie, whether it is through pornography or websites like FetLife or, um, I mean, I guess I'll leave it at that, but there's lots of opportunities there. Or you can go to an adult toy store and begin to see things as well. Mm. Now that things are opening up more, I think those are great resources. I would often tell my clients to go to it on a date and go to those places because it was not just films or videos, although you could get those there. They also had adult toys and lingerie and loot. And then you could feel those things. So you could have the tactile experience of what silicon lubrication feels compared Mm -hmm. to water lube. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that is a really important experience is to try it on. And then you can explore with your partner. What do you like? I like this lingerie and maybe you like this lube and we have a game here. And so anything that's going to expand or take you out of that stuck place is helpful. Um, I, I mean, I just think there's so many ideas out there. You can get a book a day of different sexual positions. Oh, yeah. And- that one also helped. It did help me through. Yeah. After giving birth, I wasn't the same. So I needed yes. to change quite a few things. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, and there's quite so many things. resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I stopped being a missionary. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I like about those books, we have a position book, a book a day, which some of them are just ridiculous. I just like uh, yeah, some, some of those ones just look good in the book. They're good to look at. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, mm, no. No, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to call 911 after this, no. Exactly. <laughs> and so the comic relief is good, too. Yeah, it is also good, we, yeah. Yeah, because we don't need to always be so serious about sex. Especially yeah, when we're it's trying new things on. Yeah, it's, it can be messy. It, laughter is really good to yeah. really alleviate any tension. Because when we think, okay, we really need to try, change things up, we can get really anxious about it and there can be a performance anxiety that happens and it's really about like let's just try this on let's have fun because this is sex it's not like we're paying the bills it's like this is about pleasure it's actually about showing up for yourself beautiful just showing up for yourself for the fun of it just Mm -hmm. like the way you sit and enjoy a good movie you don't have to prepare for hours Mm. i'm going to watch a movie I'm going to watch a movie. <laughs> no, you don't. Just go sit down and let it go. Let it flow. I yeah. love that. So questions, explorations, looking for material, research, and also asking each other what works for them. How would you help a couple where one is conservative, old school, Viking, And the other one one is the explorer climbing every mountain on this planet. How do you handle these two? And you know, marriages have quite a huge proportion of that. One conservative, one explorer. How would you handle such a couple? 
Yes. I mean, really the same way that I would handle any couple, because what it comes down to is it comes down to the agreements. What agreements are you making? And so in a traditional marriage, there may be assumptions of monogamy and there may be tacit agreements that are not spoken. And the opportunity is to really clarify, this is important to me and this is my non-negotiable. And that is important to speak and to say up front. I think oftentimes, especially when couples are coming to see me, there's so many assumptions. I'm assuming we're a monogamous and then I find out we're not. Or I'm assuming that we're going to have sex on Saturday night and then we don't. I mean, all of these assumptions, I'm assuming it's missionary position or else it's not going to happen. Yeah. And when we're living in those assumptions, we're not being um, risk takers. We're not taking a chance. And we're not trying for more pleasure. We're just doing the same old, same hold. And that is the habitual pattern. And so coming to agreements and really speaking your truth of, I am conservative. I am a monogamist. I am wanting a traditional relationship. I speak that. And if my partner desires something different and I don't agree to it, then it is a non-negotiable and then we need to split ways. Yeah, quite fairly on. Don't wait until yeah. you have a ring on it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and what I find is that I say that, right? And mm-hmm. it's easy to say, right? You and I aren't even yeah. in a relationship like that. So it's easy, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reality is it can be scary to say your truth and it can be scary to hear the other's truths. Because if you've built a life together, you've raised kids together, it could totally implode. Mm-hmm. And we can only ever do what is right for us. And you've said that so much, Helen, that yeah. if we can only love ourselves and do what is right for us. We can't yep. please other people. And that's always what it comes down to. And if you love the other person and they really need to do this other thing, whatever it is, whatever that looks like, then either you try it right? And you're, you, you're open to that experience in love with them, or you're, you say no, and then there could be natural fall away. And that is hard and we have heartache. Um, yeah. But I think the opportunity is if you really love someone, are you willing to try? Um, yeah. Because what I find is that oftentimes we get stuck in patterns that are not helpful and we want to be right. And it's not about being right. It's about being in love. How are you loving yourself and how are you loving the other? And being in it for long, not for a short time. It's not touch and go. It is for the long yeah. haul. So you yeah. might as well make the journey interesting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. another question I have been asked by a few of my clients, and I, I'm not a man, I and I I am not an explorer. I'm not the explorer type. So you are the one to answer this one. Does size matter? <laughs> I would say in the relative world, yes mm-hmm. and no, right? Oh. Because size matters, I find, oh goodness, to men, and it also is also uh, about their maturity level and their comfort. Because what I find is when men are not comfortable with themselves, and this is certainly a body image piece. Yeah. We think that men don't have body image issues. 
And they do. We all do. We all have bodies. Uh, we all do. We all do. We all do. Yep. And so size of penis can be a very shaming experience, whether it is too big or whether it is too small. Mm. All permutations, I'm amazed, are true that men have been judged because of their size of their penis, either by themselves, by other men, by women, by partners. Um, and when we have that experience of shame in our bodies, it gets enlarged and causes a constriction. And then, I mean, and, and then it be, it's a blockage that needs to be worked through or can be worked through so we can experience more expansion. Um, and so size matters. And is it the only thing that matters in order to give yourself pleasure or your partner pleasure? No, no, absolutely not. And that is about the comfort and confidence of the man. Um, and his own ability to work through his um, body image issues, if that is the case. And if it is an issue for his partner, right, then that's that's their problem, right? Because yeah, he can't change decide. himself or her. If she has a problem, I think she'd better move on. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What's this thing about booty? Does the booty size matter? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I mean, does the booty size matter? Does the bra size matter? I mean, I've worked with women who've had cancer, who've had double mastectomies, and they went from having large breasts to no breasts and feeling like now they're not sexual beings. And reality is, is that we are sexual beings. It is our birthright. We as women are born with a clitoris that has no other purpose but pleasure, right? It is our absolute (laughs) It's the only pleasure organ in a woman. Mm-hmm. No other function. No well, other function. No other function. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. We are lucky to have that. We are blessed. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so when we come to these parts of our body and we judge ourselves and feel like I'm not good enough because I don't have a large enough penis or my penis is too small or my breasts are too small or my breasts are too big or my butt is too big or my butt is not big enough. It's just judgment or I'm fat, right? I got wrinkles. I've got whatever it is that we're cellulites, dimples in my blood. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's how much do we love ourselves and do we allow ourselves to be conduits for that love to come through us? And it shows when you do. Yes. Always. There's a thing I remember when I was in college, some boys said, I was not yet married. They said, there's nothing as sexy as a lady confident with, of herself. That's the number one thing. Forget the <laughs> shape and the looks. And I was like, what or not are they talking about? We all working so hard to look thin and skinny and all our boobs up and everything. And then they're like, yeah, a girl who's confident in herself, that's the most sexy thing they've ever seen. And I was like, wow, I think I'd better get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you got it. (laughs) I did. I did. And I got me one of those too. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's longer and deeper, right? (laughs) It is. I think the river is going deeper and deeper. (laughs) I'll tell you, we can talk about this forever. Let me ask you one question that ladies talk about and they never get to tell their husbands or their lovers. After the intercourse, then what? 
Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I find that for myself, mm-hmm. I like to be cuddled and I like to be taken care of. And my partner knows that and he intuits that and he gives me such beautiful attention. And I find that it is the climax or if there is orgasm that really connects people in divine union, there needs to be the, I I mean, I would say the aftercare or the place of uh, slowing down because it is a crescendo up, right? Or Uh it can be. And then there needs to be some connection down. And so really making sure that that is a piece of it, especially if that's what it is that you like. Not everybody likes that, but I would say by and large, most women in heterosexual couples do. And maybe women in in lesbian couples, in my sense too, they do that. They like that. We like that as women. (laughs) Yeah, we do. And that's why I was really keen on that because all the women who have, all the women we talk about, they hate dump and snow. <laughs> they don't like that. And they will talk about it with such bitterness. And they're like, yeah, here comes blah, 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 blah. Dumps and then snows and turns the other. That's so disgusting. And I'm like, mm. why don't you tell him? No, I can't. He's already snoring. <laughs> oh. And that's what's the whole fun thing, like the whole idea of fun. So I know most ladies do love that connection. It's sort of like a, for us, that's the sweetest part after the climax. Yes. It's like the, uh, this, it's like having it a second time. You, you got the physical one. Now you get the emotional climax. That's the emotional part. Yes. Well, then the most important piece that I can leave the audience with today, because I know that this is really critical yeah. is that when you're having these conversations about the dump and snore or about what turns you on or what your fantasies are, that it's not after you've just had intercourse, right? (laughs) It should be before, it should be at a different time, a different day. It should be its own own conversation with its own schedule designated time. Because when things are said after that intimate experience, when people are open and feeling vulnerable, Oftentimes people feel judged and it's not the time to make suggestions Um, because we don't have a lot of fluency or confidence or competence in these type of sexual conversations. I encourage people to have them outside of the bedroom or outside of wherever you're having sex and have them at a designated time that is not around sex. That's so important. (laughs) Can a lady initiate sexual game? Absolutely. She needs to. (laughs) Yes. Love that. Love that. And lastly, before we go, what advice do you have to tell couples, those who are dating sexual partners, the most important thing about sex? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just give us a thing or two. Don't feel limited. Open wide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the most important thing that I can say Mm -hmm. is that in consensual connections with others, there is no right nor wrong. There is only agreement. And so what it is that you desire can always be shared and should always drive what it is that you're doing. And that when you give yourself that permission, that the sky's the limit, that you can really experience so much more pleasure, so so much more ecstasy, so much more union, 
And it's really about you giving yourself permission to explore that. Ta-da! Yes. yes. <laughs> Learn, ask, explore. Sex is just an exploration. Like, just like I'm giving examples. One is an explorer. The other one is a Viking. They're both explorers. So <laughs> be open <to> yeah. that. <laughs> yes. Tara, we can talk forever. I'm looking at my clock. I'm like, yeah, we have already done more than 30, but I still want to talk some more. <laughs> Let me hear what guests want to say. Please feel free to reach out to me and also reach out to Tara. And let me give you that email Tara at rediscoveringmybody.com. But before we go, Tara, tell yeah. them where they can get your book. Ah, so my book is called Rediscovering My Body and it is available on Amazon. And I, yeah, I look forward to hearing your feedback about how it helps you. Yeah. Be ready, be willing to explore because erotica, as old as it is, as old as human beings, it is still evolving, it is part of humanity, and it is forever fun. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. I don't think I've had enough yet, but <laughs> we'll, we'll still, God willing, well, I'll still have to call you because I'm sure my emails will be busting very soon. I, I know they'll that. be busting and I know people will reach out to you. And if we ever need to get to you, they can reach out on that email. And what's your website name address again? Yes, it's rediscoveringmybody.com. Rediscoveringmybody.com. Listeners, you've had that. Apart from just Tara sharing with us, you need to know what she does. She does retreats. She does couples coaching. She also does, uh, she's also uh, a speaker. If you have a couples meeting and you need people to, to be told, Things as they are, black and white. We don't put rainbows inside there. Of course, we'll put, let me be honest, we like color in romance. So if you want someone to come and speak to you like it is, no holds bad, and someone who is passionate about making people love themselves and love each other, please reach out to Tara. She is a speaker, a retreat host, and a coach, a therapist, all in one, girls and boys. You have no more reason for you to reach out and tell me it doesn't work. No more reason. I won't take it. You're done. Thank you. And goodbye. Thank you so much, Tara. Such a pleasure, Helen. <laughs> Thank you. Bye now. And that is all we had for today. I'm glad that you learned something, you grew, you enjoyed. And I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, share, so that your friends can also learn a thing or two from the platform. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Helen Juma, or at Guru Helen on Instagram, Facebook. This podcast was sponsored by Popstar. Get yourself a copy on www.guruhelen.com. And until next week, where we shall invite another guest, learn, grow, and love some more. This is Helen signing out. Peace and love to y'all.